Welcome to Succession Stories. I'm Lori Barkman. I work with business owners to maximize value, create options for the future, and be happy in your next. I'm excited to share the What's Next series as part of Succession Stories. These conversations spotlight the theme of transitions. Changes can come at you unexpectedly or be planned. Are you ready? After all, succession in business and life is about transitions and how you embrace what's next matters. Subscribe to Succession Stories wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you enjoy the episode, please rate and review us. Thanks for tuning in. When you face your biggest ownership and leadership transition decisions, will you be ready? Most owners feel as if they are pushed out of their business, but the happiest exits occur when there are more factors pulling you towards your next. That's why I'm offering a way for you to evaluate your readiness on a personal level. Go to getmyprescore.com. Take our online survey. It just takes eight minutes to complete and you'll receive a custom report of your personal readiness to exit your business, including a summary of unseen factors that could lead to regret. In addition, you'll receive a free ebook, The Exit Checklist, a five-step personal action plan for a happy and lucrative exit from your business. Your score means getting closer to your next chapter, whatever, wherever that may be. Visit getmyprescore.com. This week, I was joined by Ann Bernard, CEO of 365 First and creator of the 365 First Challenge app and the First Time Story Map Project. We talked about Anne's journey from decades in the Marine Corps to serial entrepreneur. It hasn't been an easy road. Anne started and failed multiple businesses and bounced back from depression and debt. After her failures, Anne found herself on a journey of first times and new experiences that completely changed her relationship with life. Now her world revolves around leading others to discover new experiences, understand who they are, and maximize what we get out of life. For anyone thinking about transitions, I hope this episode helps you think differently about finding what's next in your future. Anne Bernard, welcome to the What's Next series. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. You have a very interesting and unique background, and your past has brought you to your present and what you're working on in your future. And I thought it'd be really interesting for you to start out by sharing your story. What's your background? Where'd you grow up? I was born in Edmonton, Canada, did not grow up there. When I was just a baby, my parents moved back to the province of Quebec in St. George, Canada. So I grew up there at the start of my sixth grade because my dad was working construction in the U.S. We moved to Palmer, Massachusetts, and I went to grammar school there, moved there, didn't know any English, went to grammar school, high school, and at 16 years old, I fell in love with the Marine Corps. And at 17, I was in boot camp and I turned 18 in boot camp. So the Marine Corps, what interested you and why'd you choose that path? It's a mixture of things. My family life was not ideal and I wanted to just start living on my own, you know, be in control of my life. And but it's also my high school sweetheart joined the Marine Corps. And he was writing me about all the really amazing things that he was doing and places that he was going to. And I wanted that. I wanted the adventure. I started reading. This is back in 1995, 93, 94. So no internet to look up things up on the Marine Corps. So you went to the library, found the Leatherneck magazine, and I just fell in love with what the Marine Corps stood for, the mission that they had. And I just knew it was the right, it was the right thing for me. 
And how long were you in the Marine Corps and what, what types of roles were you in? So I was on active duty. So I, I joined at 17, I said turned 18. And I did four years as an enlisted Marine. I reached a rank of sergeant. And then I put in for the Meritorious Commissioning Program. I got selected. So as a sergeant, I drove across country and off to OCS, became a second lieutenant. And I got to the rank of captain. At my 10-year mark, there was a lot of different things that was happening. And they say, you know, the 10-year mark is the, the point where you make the decision. Do you go the other 10 or do you call it quits? And for me, I had always had an entrepreneurial desire and drive. So I felt like it was time for me to get out. It just wasn't fun. And then we have another saying, it's not fun anymore. It's time to get out. And it wasn't fun anymore. And so I left active duty and I started my entrepreneurial journey, which led to failures. And I found myself back in and out of the Marine Corps. So at this point, I still need to, I'm waiting for Trump to leave office and then I will drop my retirement papers, but I have 25 years in now and I ended up reaching the the rank of Lieutenant Colonel and 16 of those years on active duty. And I filled, I filled all kinds of of billets. So as, as a young enlisted Marines, I was in logistics. And then when I became an officer as a woman at the time, I'm so glad things have changed, but at the time, the only job or MOS military occupational specialty where I would lead Marines was as a communications officer. So it was, it was a no brainer because my entire thing, I wanted to be a platoon commander. So that's what I became, picked up my first platoon. And so I have communications officer and then I filled so many other billets after that. Yeah. What is a communications officer responsible for? Who did you work with most closely? So we set up the, the communication network. So I ended up doing a lot of deployed networks. So I was not, I was not I, you know, as an officer, I knew some of the technical stuff, but it was the Marines that really under, you know, were the technical ones. So my job was to take care of them, to train them and to enable them to do their jobs. So we would, you know, we would deploy and set up the networks. So, you know, obviously you are supporting the mission, you're supporting the warfighter. If you can't talk, you can't fight. I mean, communication is such a critical job to have, such a critical thing to have and everything you're trying to do. And that was another reason why, you know, we have a saying as common was like, you know, you can talk about us, but you can't talk without us. <laughs> you can talk about us. You can't talk without us. That makes a ton of sense. So you're working with Marines that were deployed in the field? Mostly. Yes. So I had I had some billets that were deployed in the field, and I had some where we managed the networks back in what's called garrison, so the, the base networks, and also get involved in the security of the networks. You know, now cybersecurity is something that that's constantly talked about and very important. But, you know, back then, the commos, you know, nobody in leadership liked us because we're slowing down the network because we want to secure the network. And there's there's a lot of things as a commo. It's, it's, it can be an extremely high stress. We were talking about that before, right? Calm goes down. They're looking at you like you can magically fix it. And. So somebody is usually always yelling at you because something is not working the way it should. Yeah. And me in my office in my safe space when my Zoom goes down and I'm angry in my head and, and I just want to burst and I can't even imagine what that's like being in the field and comms go down. I can't even compare. Right. So and I appreciate that. You had mentioned earlier 
that you're in the Marine Corps, you were looking for some change and you had some entrepreneurial ideas. They didn't really work out. Can you share a little bit about that period of time? What were you trying out and what failed? What was it? Absolutely. So when I first left the Marine Corps, I heard about life coaching. So this is in 2005. So life coaching, while it had been around for almost a decade already, it was still very unheard of, but it really appealed to me. So I became, I got trained as a life coach and I became a life coach and I quickly realized this is not for me. I move at a very rapid pace and I don't let anything hold me back. So dealing with clients who, you know, every little thing is an excuse. I just, I, I couldn't do it. But I was learning about business and I love business. I'm like, let me switch over to becoming a business coach. So I switched to business coaching and I really enjoy working with business owners, but I found myself running their businesses for them. I'm like, well, I'm not getting paid enough to do that. And then I realized there are so many coaches out there that are struggling with the business aspect, but they're great coaches. So I just decided to start a coaching agency. So now this is in early 2006. Well, there's an ignorance, right? You don't know what you don't know. And now looking back, I'm like, well, that was, a, that was kind of a dumb move because as an industry, it, wasn't, it was not ready to support a, a, an agency. But I pursued it and I love technology. So I created a portal that was going to connect clients and coaches. And I, I really got into it. And I had a partner that was doing the technical part. and he different things happen. And he decided that I owed him $40,000 and he was not going to give me any of the code. I did not establish the proper legal partnership document so that I would have access to that. So that kind of took me under. I mean, it, it was just like, okay. So you paid him, you paid him the money. No, I did not pay him the money. No. I did not get the code, but I also realized the industry can't support what I'm trying to do. And so I closed that down. And a week later, I was in a Chipotle and I, I had this other idea for a concept called Why Go Solo? So I'm sitting at Chipotle by myself and I'm like, how cool would it be if just somebody else that was sitting by themselves either had a sign, future now would be an app, right? But had a sign and I could just join them because they were open to, hey, I'm having lunch alone. You're having lunch alone. Let's have lunch together, right? And just see where things go. Because I really believe that people or what can propel you. I mean, meeting the right person can change everything about what you're trying to accomplish. So Why Go Solo came about and I enlisted eight developers from around the world. We were building at the same pace that Facebook was and we were a part-time team, you know, kind of doing this together and we released the, the platform. We were tied into Twitter. We were tied into Facebook. Now this is mid 2006. And it was time to raise money. I lived in Virginia area. I should have moved to Silicon Valley. So I started pitching investors. They didn't get the concept. I mean, I'm talking about social media in 2006. Right. Most of the people I'm talking to don't even have websites. So, you know, timing is key as well. Yeah, it is. So <laughs> I invested so much, you know, in the first business and the second business. And I kept going, but eventually I was broke. I had to foreclose on my townhouse. And that's when a friend of mine was like, hey, you know, you're still in the inactive ready reserve for the Marines. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not. I resign. He's like, 
you are. And so we argued and he ended up being correct. I had resigned my active commission, but I still had my reserve commission. So I was in fact still part of the Marine Corps. So that's when I was able to take some orders, get myself financially, because now I'm in debt. I'm so broke. Plus I'm in debt. Get myself back on track. And I continue to invest money in Why Go Solo, but eventually I had to realize it's just not, you know, I'm exhausted. A lot of the members of the team had left, you know, they'd given up, you know, it's not, it's not happening. I still completely believe in what it was all about, but if I hit the Wayback Machine website, will I find whygosolo.com? You should. Although there's a new Why Go Solo now. So oh, somebody really? had, had taken Someone the, yeah, the and, they're, and they're doing, they're doing an app. Wow. So like, I know the concept was always valid. Clearly somebody is, you know, now today doing that. And then because we were tapped into social media, the other websites, you know, and I was going, cause at one point I'm like, okay, cause the way why go solo, you would create a listing. So if you had an extra ticket to a concert or to a game or to whatever, so I started going to the venue and say, Hey, give me some extra tickets and I'll promote them on our platform, which will promote them on Twitter and Facebook because Google ads are going to go away. You're going to want to be in people's news streams, right? And again, this is in 2006. I'm telling businesses this, but they don't even have websites. So when I'm saying like, they don't understand Facebook, they don't understand Twitter and the power. And really it took those platforms, Facebook and Twitter, almost a good you know, five to seven years to really raise to the level that, that they have, you know, the impact that they have now. So that taught me a lot about just how much time yeah. it can take for something to take off. It really does. And so for you in that phase of your life, you, you said you lost your townhouse. Were you homeless at one point? So I, a f- yeah, I, was, <laughs> I was at that point, a friend of mine, let me borrow some money and I was able to rent a room. And so I moved there and then I got back in uniform and back on a salary and got myself back together. And then an opportunity came up. So I was in the Virginia area an opportunity came up to go to New Orleans and I jumped on that. So I was like, I need to get away from the Virginia, DC, Maryland area. And let me go to the big easy and, you know, see what happens there. So I moved to New Orleans in January 2009. And New Orleans will always, always have such a special place in my heart because there's a lot of healing. It's where I had eventually came to my breaking point, but there was so much healing that took place there as well that set my course off on a, on a different direction. Well, that's probably a good place for us to sort of change gears a little bit on the conversation and really about rediscovery. Because I think, especially for this series and talking to people about changes in their life, changes in their career, and are they going to make things happen? Are they going to watch what happens? Or are they going to wonder what happens? And so you're, you were at this pivot point in Crossroads where you're trying to figure out what was next for you. And you had some failures, as you said, but you had tried some things and you really wanted to be a tech entrepreneur, which was, which is pretty cool back in the earlier times of, like you were saying, in 2005, 2006. So maybe just share a little bit about what then prompted you to take on your your current mission, which is storytelling and what you call yourself today, which is the master of first time. So maybe share a little bit about that transition. 
Yeah. So that's that in itself. It's multiple, <laughs> multiple timelines of making changes. And I feel like I've lived, I've lived quite a few lifetimes already because I have reinvented myself so many times. So I got to New Orleans and eventually reached my breaking point and really being back in uniform. I'm, I'm always happy to be back amongst the Marines, but I always know that's, that's not what I want to be doing. But there's there's something in doing to the best of your ability what you don't want to be doing because it it teaches you that you can give your all no matter how you feel, no matter what you think about it. So, you know, part of it is the grind, but some of it is like, how how do I still make a difference even though I don't want to be here? So, you know, it makes you tough as far as your mindset goes. But so I I get to my breaking point and I saw two options at that that time. One was suicide, like uh, ending it. And the other was, I don't know what the heck I'm doing with my life. And the one who knows is the one who created me and that's God. So I'm going to give my life to God. So having actually attempted suicide when I was younger, I knew that 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 wasn't that wasn't the answer. So I, I gave my life to God and a couple of things. God brought me back to my family. He, you know, you die to yourself. And my identity was becoming an entrepreneur, was wanting to be that tech CEO, wanted to be a multimillionaire, like, and ultimately making a difference in the world. But it was a lot more ego driven now that I have perspective than, you know, at the time. I was looking at it. So I had to let go. And it took me two years to let go of my entrepreneurial identity. I would wake up at night, just stress and, you know, out of breath. And if I'm not this entrepreneur, if I'm not this driven, ambitious entrepreneur, then who's Anne Bernard? Like, then, you know, who am I? And I already knew, like, the Marine identity, I had shed that. But the entrepreneur identity, I had not. So the Marine Corps provided me an opportunity to go to Germany. So now I find myself in Germany and I'm letting go of the entrepreneurial and I'm reconnecting with the fact that, I love to travel. I love to explore. And as so I'm traveling to all of these different countries because it's so easy to be in a new country <laughs> over the weekend when you're living in Europe. And so I'm in this new country. I'm like, well, I'm in this country that I've never been. I should do something while I'm there that I've never done. So I started pursuing this journey of first times and new experiences. And my relationship with life completely shifted. And it was like, oh my God, life has so much to offer. There's so much to explore. There's so much to discover. This is making me feel so good. You know, my moods are so much better. I'm learning faster and I'm, in, I'm engaging with living. So my time in Germany ended. I ended up back in the States. I'm like, I can maintain this mindset. So I continued, I continued to travel. I did more. I started doing some writing and uh, something that happened as well is I came to understand that I don't communicate who I am. I don't share with others who I am. I don't open up with, with others who I am. I don't have, I have a lot of Marine Corps friends, but that's a different type of friendship. Like we connect because we're Marines. We'll do anything for each other because we're Marines. It really doesn't really have anything to do with like 
who you are as a person. Yeah. Hey, you're a Marine. I'm going to take care of you. I got your back. Right. So they never pushed me to open up. And as a child, it's not something that I felt safe to do. So I, I didn't. Now I'm realizing nobody really knows me and I don't have connections and I want to change that. So now I started pushing myself to opening up. And one of the safe way that I discovered to do that was through telling stories because I'm having all these new experiences. I've traveled all these countries. I have these all these stories from being a Marine. So let me start telling those stories. So I started sharing those stories. I was staying, you know, I'm traveling, I'm staying in Airbnbs. People are opening up their homes to me. So it makes sense that they have questions. They want to know more about me. So I told them stories and their response and their engagement and how good it felt to start opening up was just incredible. So Many things happen. Like I'm having discovery, different things happen. I've now, you know, I've, I haven't been working, you know, I've been traveling for a couple of years. I'm getting to the point where I'm out of money again. So back to the Marine Corps, I go and I found myself back in Okinawa, Japan, then back in Germany. And my last go in Germany was really tough because I really believe in what my my job was, but a lot of people didn't care. And it was very important. So I poured so much of myself in it and it was exhausting me because of, you know, how much I had to do to shift people around to seeing, you know, what they needed to do. And then, and then at the same time, all the traveling had been incredible and I had grown and I learned, but I was not, I am an entrepreneur through and through. It's like, I'm not making a difference in the world. And that was leaving a hole. Like now that I was whole, I had a hole because it was all about me. And now I was ready to return to being an entrepreneur in a more humbled way in service of others. And it's like, well, what do I do? And I had been on this incredible journey that had changed me a first time in your experiences. I'm like, let me bring that to other people. So I started the 365 First Challenge, which then brought me to... What is that? So the 365 First Challenge, uh, there's an app now. It's you, you make your list of things that you've never done before, but it's not a bucket list. I don't believe in bucket lists because of the mindset behind the bucket list is like, yeah, these are the death. things I want to do before I die. <laughs> right. yeah. So the 365 First Challenge is how to maximize what you get out of life today. So what experience can you have that you've never had before? Or how can you elevate a goal, something that you achieved, so have a different, you know, a new first time? And so that today is all that today can be. And what I learned with first time in your experiences is that there are so many incredible benefits. So it improves your cognitive abilities. It helps you be more open-minded, creative. It, it can be leveraged to develop your confidence, step out of your comfort zone, face your fears. So, you know, I, I, everything that I've you know, I always knew as a, as a coach, all the experience that I've had in my life, you know, so I, I brought them all together into the 365 First Challenge. Then I moved to Las Vegas because in, of all the cities around the world, Las Vegas is the one city associated with first time new experience, first experience. So I created the app and I'm ready to go. So this is the beginning of 2019. 
and wait, 2020, beginning of 2020. <laughs> what year are we in? <laughs> yeah. I literally just looked at the corner of my computer. <laughs> so, like, okay, I was raring to go and then COVID hit. And let me backtrack a little bit. One of the first thing that I did when I created the 365 First Challenge was I, cr- I started the 365 First Podcast to share my first time stories, to inspire others to embrace first times and new experiences. So when COVID hit, I'm like, well, I always wanted to hear other people's stories. So I started the first time storytelling broadcast. So I'm doing the first time storytelling broadcast. And as people are coming on, some can tell stories, but the vast majority are not storytelling. They're they're teaching, they're sharing facts and information, but they're not storytelling. So I created, you know, a free little webinar to teach people how to tell stories. And then that grew into a book and then that grew into a course. And now 23 February, we're going to have a first virtual summit. So it kind of just, you know, it, it, that's, kind of also how I am. <laughs> if you, if you pull the layers just tend to spawn. <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, this can be bigger. This can be more this, you know, and then I, I grow it. So first time storytelling during COVID, although, you know, during COVID, there's so many first time and you experience that you can have at home, but that, that shift took longer for people to real, because I, I didn't account and that's that's on me. And, you know, you're always learning. I didn't account for how long it would take people to adapt to their new circumstances of the lockdown, of accepting, you know, the new reality that that we sure. found ourselves in. And so I had shifted. Nobody else had. So then I shifted again to something else. <laughs> so, you know, maybe. And then I'm realizing I need to be a little bit more patient and let everything. I was going to say one of the, some things just need time. So from a service perspective, how are you making money through 365 first? Is that an app that people pay for? No. So for 365 first, the way that. So 365 first is. So the app right now it's like it's like a very baseline i imagine 365 first so my vision is to help raise human potential and to do that through action based self development so i want to develop that platform into something that is going to help you drive yourself forward and all the things that you're trying to accomplish. So I want to put machine learning, AI in the platform, because when you swipe on something that you've done, so you are the sum of your experiences. So on all the things that you've done, paint a picture of who you are. One of the you know, the baseline of self-development, self-improvement, and really anything is is self-awareness. And unfortunately, the vast majority of people do not have high self-awareness. And then, you know, there's there's so many, having the wrong impression of who we are sets us, like, we can't, we can't go anywhere from that. <laughs> so, right. It, you know, we need those really strong baseline to, to grow from so that we can break our patterns. So in the future, that platform, you know, I want to develop that platform to do that. And, you know, one of the ways it's going to make money is that you're going to swipe on the things that you want to do. So I'll be able to provide the ability for you to buy, you know, the equipment that you need or the tickets or whatever that it is that you want to do right in the app. And then, you know, add the layer of whatever 
based on who you are, what you need for inspiration, for motivation to follow through. So lots of people are dreamers and they're thinkers, but the way it happens is when you actually take the actions and you follow through. So it's taking everything that I've learned in my lifetime so far and I've experienced and I want to bring it to a platform that even though... the platform is the same, but how you're going to interact with it, it's going to be different than me because realizing we are all individuals and we all need to be maximized differently. Definitely. Definitely. Everyone's different. I love how you explain that. You have how you came into that vision and how you're bringing it to life. If there's someone listening that's thinking about their next and what their journey might be, what advice would you share for people facing transitions in their life or their career? Be excited about the transition and do not beat yourself up of where you happen to be. I mean, like like I said, I mean, that's something that I have to keep reminding myself because nothing ever moves at the pace that I wanted to. And But what I've come to realize is that it moves at the exact pace that it needs to. So 2020, what happened, you know, I had to change my plans. I had to pivot. Things didn't work out. And what happened in 2020, all of my old scripts from all those years prior of being an entrepreneur and facing failure came back up. And that allowed me to work through those scripts so that I could rewrite and move forward. So if you're in a transition, it's not moving as fast, dig in, like try to find out what is happening because your brain has had a certain experience in the past and it's leveraging that to, you know, for the now. And you might need to be thinking completely differently to go into the future. And, but if you're in a pause moment and it's a great time, that's, that's what those moments are for is to have those realizations, to have the haha moments, to look back on your life, to look back on the timelines, to look back at how you view things and then create the shifts that you need to in order to move into the next phase. So for, for one of the, my word for 2021 is build, because as I look back in the last year and a half, it's been a lot of establishing foundation. And now that I found, and I still need to do a little foundation work, but now that that's there, now I can build. So understand where you are at in this process so that you can really enhance things as you move forward. Otherwise, you're going to find yourself back. I mean, it's life. It, it's it's incredible that it's very magical when you do realize, okay, I'm living my life in circles because I'm not learning. I'm not changing. I'm not growing. So if I want to stop doing that, I, ha- I have to change. I like how you picked a word and you're, the word you shared was build. I think if I was going to say a word, it would be evolve. That's the one that's been on my mind. Oh, quite that's a bit. That's a good one. Yeah. So that's great insight. I appreciate you sharing that. And I appreciate you sharing your story. Two final questions for you. I'd love to ask everybody that comes on the show if you have a favorite quote about entrepreneurship or leadership that you can share with us. So I I had to write it down. I I, I have really bad memories for quote, but one of the ones that I say is you don't know what you don't know. So don't beat yourself up for what you don't know. But another one that I really like is if you're going to doubt something, doubt your limits. So that's by Greg Anderson. and. Being an entrepreneur, it is the toughest and hard. I mean, I've been through boot camp, OCS, I've deployed to Iraq, nothing compared to being an entrepreneur. It pushes me 
<laughs> to my limits all the time. So, you know, I've had enough life experience to know that I can always dig deeper. But if you're going to doubt something, then doubt your limits. Because trust me, you have more to give, you have more to offer. There's more there for you to dig into and, and leverage. Yeah, exactly. Keep pushing yourself and don't doubt yourself. If people want to connect with you, Anne, how do they find you online to learn more about you? So one of the best places to find me these days, because I, I, that's something else that happened, like I'm, I focus on one platform and uh, it's YouTube. So I'm actually running three channels. <laughs> Y'all shouldn't be surprised by this by now, right? <laughs> no, tackling a lot on going on. <laughs> yeah. So one channel is that I'm reviving is my personal channel, Anne Bernard. And then the other is the 365 First. And the other is the first time storytelling. So it's all part of the 365 First family. And so if you're interested in the storytelling, then that'd be the channel for you. You can learn more about storytelling and how to do it. And then 365 First, it's about the journey of first time and new experiences, but a lot of self-development. I'm trying to educate, you know, I'm, I'm aiming to take it one little piece, one sliver at a time and teach people about self-development to include the, you know, talking about finding your own solution. You know, there's no one size fits all answer. And yeah. That's exciting. Awesome. And thank you so much for coming on the show today. It was great to speak with you about your what's next experience. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. Innovation, transition, growth, easy to say, but hard to do. If you're an entrepreneur facing these challenges, I get it. I work with businesses from small to big to achieve your vision. Visit smalldotbig.com to learn more. I'd love to connect with you. Subscribe to Succession Stories. And if you enjoy the show, please share a rating and review. Thanks for listening.